The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Small. When we 
Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the ones who seek him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to beat the yoke, to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him. Let him be filled with disgrace. For men are not cast off forever by the Lord. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. His love is unfailing, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. 
Lamentations, the third chapter, verses 27 through 33. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I've been sitting in the presence of the Lord. He's been speaking to me. I'm going to share with you today what he has said. In 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, we find the story of Elijah as he goes before wicked King Ahab and announces that neither dew nor rain will fall in the next years except at his word. And then, instead of being called to go forth into the nation and preach repentance. In verse 2 of chapter 17, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan, that is, the brook Cherith. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. I want you to see that these are very specific instructions. Leave here. He's walking out of the palace. The word of the Lord comes to him and says, Leave now. Go east. Hide in the Kirith Ravine. Be hidden away, Elijah. And he he tells him exactly where it is. It's east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook. I've ordered the ravens to feed you there. The direction of the Lord is not his imagination. It is not his human spirit. The great difficulty we have is understanding the difference between our own spirit and the spirit of the living God. Most of you, and for me, much of my life, my soul, my personality was so loud and my activities were so filled with action, with work, with relationships, that I had a hard time even hearing my own spirit. My life is directed by my spirit, but it's an unconscious process if I have no quiet time and I'm so full of my life and my activities and my personality that I don't hear even my own spirit speak. If I can't hear my own spirit give me directions, how can I ever hear the spirit of God? And many of you would say to me, God doesn't speak to me. Well, God is speaking all of the time to any person who has surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. The question is not whether God is speaking. The question is whether you're listening. Now, it's very clear Elijah is listening. Elijah has just come out of an extended period of time. I don't know if it was a a matter of months or years, but it has been an extended time of intense prayer and listening and hearing God's heart for Israel and hearing the judgments of God that he was about to bring on this nation. 
and Elijah. He wants to hear the voice of God. If he doesn't hear correctly the voice of God, he will die. If you do not hear correctly the voice of God, you will die. A Christian is one who hears the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. He goes out and his sheep follow him. They don't wander over the ridges. They don't wander waiting to be slain by a wolf. God's people hear the voice of Jesus, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if you can't hear your own spirit, how can you hear the Holy Spirit? So for most of us, nine times out of ten, when we thought we were hearing the Holy Spirit, we were only hearing our own spirit. I wish that I had heard this message when I was a young man, but no one was talking about this, and they're still not talking about it. Many will say, God only speaks through his scriptures. That's not true. According to Jesus, that's not true. According to Jesus, his sheep hear his voice and obey. Now, yes, you can hear his voice through the scriptures. You can hear his voice through a sermon. You can hear his voice through a friend who is a Christian speaking. Even a pagan, a donkey can speak to you the word of God. As Balaam found out. but there is a place of intimacy with God. And I want to share with you how to begin to get into that place of intimacy with God, where you know his voice, you recognize his voice. I waited before God this morning, and he gave me very detailed and specific information about what he wanted me to do regarding a very specific matter. It was not general knowledge. It was very specific. And it called me into repentance because I'd already determined in my mind that this was not what I was going to do. And the Lord overruled me. Because in my human wisdom, I know that is not something I want to do. But the Spirit of God this morning came to me and said, This is what you will do. One, two, three, done. And I said, Yes, sir. When we hear the voice of God speak clearly, not our own human spirit, but we know the difference. We've tested the Spirit's. We've tested the spirits, the spirit of the living God. We've tested by the scriptures. We've tested by our experience. We do have the fear of the Lord in our hearts. We shun evil. We are determined we will follow the voice of the living God as he speaks to us. Now, please, you will not survive the times we are entering into now if you do not clearly understand the difference between your own voice and the voice of the Holy Spirit, between your spirit and God's spirit. 
and your spirit has to come in subjection to the voice of God. Someone said to me this morning, Pastor, I am trying to learn to hear from God and to follow his word. I'm trying to learn how God works, what his ways are. That was a very wise person. Most of us deal just with our intellect. We have a great understanding of what the scripture says, and our spirits become very involved in our being right about that. And a self-righteousness begins to set in. And we're in trouble with the Holy Spirit. Now, in verse 2, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, hide in the Kirith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. The Holy Spirit will speak to you today in those kinds of concrete terms. If you will but listen and do what the Lord has told you to do. Verse 5, so he did what the Lord told him. He went to the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. He didn't wake up one morning and say, look, the brook is drying up. God hasn't spoken. I need to go do something to take care of myself. He did not do that. And if you do that, you are in trouble. I've been in trouble so many times with God over this issue. Look, the brook's drying up. I've got to do something. I've got to move. I can't sit. I'm going to die if I sit here. I'm right there now. I see what's happening in America. And I know there must be a general call for a solemn assembly in Washington. I know how much it will cost to advertise. I know the facility that I would like to use. I'm even talking about it because that has come into my heart very clearly. I know that God wants to call a solemn assembly. Does that mean I step out and do it? No. No. I'm waiting to hear from the Lord very specific direction. I'm waiting for him to show me the timing and the money. Well, pastor, just step out in faith and use your credit card. No. I've done that. And the Lord has been very displeased with me. I have to wait on very specific direction from the Holy Spirit. And when he tells me what to do, I'll move forward. I'm very clear that he's told me to do this radio broadcast. He has told me I will carry you. And he is being faithful in carrying me. I was very concerned when I saw what was happening with the finances of many of you. 
as you lost your jobs, as you had to stay home. And yet, in the midst of this crisis, I bear testimony that God has carried this radio broadcast and is carrying it. Now, we're not there yet for the month, but I know we will be. How do I know that? Because the Lord told me by the Spirit that we would be covered, that the radio broadcast would be paid for. How is it going to happen? I don't know. Some people have said to me, Pastor, you better go get a job so you can pay for your ministry. Are you kidding me? I work full time in gospel work. The Lord said, I'll carry you. So shall I say the Lord is not carrying me? Should should Elijah go out and see if he can rustle up some work? No. He's told the ravens to feed him there. The ravens are coming. They're feeding him there. So, the brook dries up. He has no water. He gets up one morning and there's not even a trickle of water remaining. And it's hot. What should he do? Wait on the Lord. Verse 8, this is First Kings 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. Oh, talk about humbling his heart. This is Jezebel's hometown. This is pagan country. He's Jewish. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar? I'm sure he has probably set up a test for the Lord. I'm going to ask someone for water, and if they give me water, it's like giving him gold. There is very scarce water available. Then he's going to also ask her for a piece of bread, for food. She answers, as surely as the Lord your God lives, not my God, your God. I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. See, he's not operating out here by himself. He is operating based on hearing the word of God, hearing the spirit of the living God speak to him. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar 
of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives you rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now, do you know how to hear the word of the Lord regarding those very practical things like rent? Do you know how to hear the word of the Lord regarding your car payment? Did you buy that car based on the word of the Lord to you, or did you buy it based on your own lust and your own spirit? makes a difference because if you bought that house or you bought that car or you went in debt for those expenses because your spirit and personality your soul directed you to then you are responsible before God for the cost of that there was a time when everything in my life was because I desired it and I bought it and I created it and I was responsible for paying for it. And the day came when I could not pay for it. And after much pain and much anguish, I had to go before the Lord and humble my heart and admit that I had created the debt, that I had bought the house, that I had bought the car and gone seven years in debt for it. That I had run the credit card bill up and now couldn't pay anything because I'd lost my income. Now, how was I to pay for it? I couldn't. I tried to get a job. And every job that I went after, or my wife went after, we lost. It was clear we were being utterly blocked out. And it required some very serious time of repentance on my part. It required some time of confession lamentation weeping before the Lord because I knew I had created my own situation it was not the Lord who did it I did it and I was guilty and I knew I had to change Now, I want to take you to another passage of Scripture. In this passage of Scripture, I'm going to do for you from the book of James in the New Testament, from Lavender's New Testament, which is a, a Scripture that is very literal. I want to share this with you 
because it's very specific information on how to begin to hear the voice of God. If you are unable to hear the voice of God, you are in serious trouble with the Lord. And you will be deceived by the devil, and you will go into all kind of tribulation and problem, pain, and anguish. And peace will be stolen from your heart. I'll read to you from the book of James, the fourth chapter. I'm going to begin with the last part of verse 6. This is the standard that he establishes that I must establish for us based on the word of God. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You are going to see quickly that there is only victory in the Spirit through submission and that pride will block you. Now, I also want to say at the very beginning of this, it is not only humbling your heart before God. It is taking several very specific steps. Verse 7. And I'm going to share with you five steps out of the fourth chapter of James. Therefore, that is, because God resists the proud, because he gives grace to the humble, therefore, you must be subject to God. You will not hear the voice of the Lord. You will not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that comes as a still small voice into your conscience, into your mind with a knowing, an absolute knowing you have heard from God. That is not going to happen if you have not previously made the decision and the covenant with God that you will be utterly subject to him. That all that you have belongs to him. I renewed that covenant with him last night, going through and itemizing every portion of my life and saying, Lord, I covenant that this belongs to you. I was so practical. I identified the car the furniture, the house I live in, the food I eat, friends that I have one by one, the ministry I'm engaged in in great detail, the radio ministry, the prayer ministry, the counseling ministry, word of knowledge ministry, prophetic ministry. I went through each step and again 
reviewed and established the covenant I have made with God, with the Lord Jesus, to be subject unto him, to be subject to his spirit. I will not spend any money he does not direct me to spend, even on an ice cream. I made a covenant with the Lord that I would only receive from his hand what he would choose to give me. If you have not made that covenant with God yet, you will not hear from him. And you'll always be wondering, why isn't God talking to me? Because you've not made a covenant with him to receive from his hand only what he would give you. Therefore, you must be subject to God. Now, this word subject is what is called an imperative aorist passive in the Greek. Now, what does that all mean? Well, it means that someone outside of the subject is going to act upon the subject. So when it says, therefore, you must be subject to God, it means you must allow God to act upon your life. You must allow him to control your life. You will not hear from the Holy Spirit. You will not hear from God. If you have not made a covenant with him that frees him to act in any way he chooses, upon your life. Number two, must resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil is also a spirit. He is a spirit being. And he, like the Holy Spirit, demands full obedience The devil's task is in some ways easier than the Holy Spirit's task because we are already naturally inclined to follow our own spirit and he can come as our own spirit playing on who we are personality-wise. For example, I'm a cowboy by personality. I come from the West. My father worked on a ranch until... He was more than 30 years of age. He was cowboying. I was raised with that cowboy attitude of if somebody's going to hit you, you hit them first and you hit them harder and you end the fight. You don't put up with anything. You're courteous to women. You take care of family. You take care of responsibilities. But there's a certain edge there where you demand respect. Okay, the devil knows that that's part of my personality. And so he can bring about circumstances where I am shamed, where I'm not respected, to see if he can trigger me. If I won't, because my natural inclination would be now, I'm not going to fight with you, I'm not going to confront you, you're just out of my life. I cut you off. 
Now, I don't do that anymore. I don't cut anybody off ever. If someone is going to be cut off in my life, it's because they cut themselves off. It's not because I have that attitude. The Holy Spirit will not tolerate that in me. He demands very clearly that I consider that person's salvation of first and utmost importance. And so I resist the devil. And I say no. No. I'm not going to allow that to happen in my life. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, verse 8, you must draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How do you draw near to God? You draw near to God by making a covenant with him that you will receive only from his hand what he chooses to give you, that you will no longer provide for yourself. You don't like the job you're in? That doesn't mean you drop the job. It doesn't mean you hop to another job. It means you spend time in the prayer closet and hear clearly what the Lord wants you to do, and you don't move a muscle until he gives you direction. Well, pastor, if he does that, I'll be there the rest of my life. Okay, be there the rest of your life, but don't go without the Holy Spirit's directing you. Don't just pick up and move somewhere because you think there's something better on the other side. Don't just pick up and jump. The immature do that. They get in all kinds of trouble. You wait on the Lord. You draw near to God. You draw near to him by acknowledging his authority and his right to rule over your life. You draw near to God by reading the scriptures and by praying. You push God away by going to the movies. You push God away when you go to the television for everything that flows from it is out of wickedness. The the advertising, the programming. If it comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you leave it alone. You don't go on the internet and play the the video games. You don't go to the internet and watch all of the YouTube videos that you would be pleasured to watch. You don't waste that time. You go to God. And as you draw near to him in your actions, this is not, this is not sentimental stuff. This is not maybe stuff. This is coming close to the Lord. This is confession. This is lamenting how you have caused him to be jealous for you because you were giving yourself to others, to other activities. You seek the Lord's face. And it says, if you will do that, the Lord will draw near to you. 
People say to me sometimes, Pastor, the Lord seems so far away from me. Well, then go closer. It's it's really that simple. Are you far away from God? Then go closer. Are you far away from your wife? Then go closer. Are you far away from your children? Well, go closer. You must cleanse your hands, you sinners, and must purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, there are two things he's talking about here. One, cleanse your hands that have been doing things that are in direct rebellion against the Almighty God. And secondly, get your hearts clean. What's it mean, you double-minded? Get your hearts clean of a divided heart. Maybe God will do this, and maybe God won't do this, and so because I don't know if he'll do it, I better take care of business. And if God does something great, and if God doesn't do anything, that's all right, I've got it covered. That's double-mindedness. And you should expect to receive nothing from God when you walk that way. See, for me to know how to walk and how to stand, I've got to hear directly from the Lord God of heaven. I mean, here I am. I have a small house church meeting in my home. I have a radio broadcast to do. I have people I need to minister to in praying with them counseling them, hearing the word of God for them because they're still not clearly hearing the word of God, speaking into the lives of people the word of knowledge. I have all of those things to do. But that's not really what God has called me to do. God told me as a child what I was supposed to do at the end of time in my life, the latter part of my life. I'm not doing it. Why? Because I'm waiting on God's timing. I'm waiting on God to step in and say, Okay, now's the time. John the Baptist waited in the wilderness until the word of the Lord came to him. Elijah waited beside the brook Cherith until the word of the Lord came to him. How does the word of God come? in a still small voice. Now, there have been some times in my life when God has spoken very abruptly. It's like a window opened, a door opened. The Lord stepped through. I couldn't see him, but he stepped through. And audibly, like we're speaking now, he redirected me because I was off track and I was endangering my life and the life of those I loved. Most of the time, the Lord speaks to me. As I'm reading the scripture, he'll suddenly quicken it to my heart, and he'll give me some very specific word regarding what I'm to do with that. I now wait for the word of the Lord to come to me as John the Baptist waited in the wilderness, or as Elijah waited at the brook Cherith, being fed by the ravens. 
waiting for the Lord's command. And through my life, I've usually set clearly the time I have to move. And usually the Lord waits until that time has passed. And I'm often hanging off over the cliff. In more recent years, he has not walked with me that way because he knows I'm going to wait on him. I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to wiggle. I'm not going to move. And if I, out of my own hurt, out of my own loneliness, I take an action that he's not pleased with, he'll let me know that. Because I'm living close to him. I've drawn near to him. And so he'll let me know he's not pleased with that. And that calls for lamentations, for repentance, for humbling my heart even further. Am I concerned about rent for this month? Am I concerned about the radio broadcast being paid this month? Yes. I'm concerned enough about it to speak with the Lord about it. But then I have to also go the next step and say, Lord, this is what you've said to me. And so I stand by faith that your word is true and that you will do what you have said you will do. And I will not be double-minded regarding this. I will stand by faith on the word you have spoken to me. I will not be double-minded I will not question whether God exists. I will not question his love or his mercy or his kindness. I will not question what he has said to me that I know was the word of the Lord. I've shared this before, but as I was walking down the hallway in the wee hours of the morning, the Lord spoke several things to me. One, he I have forgiven all of your sins. I was jubilant because I'd been crying over some past sins. This was a couple years ago. I'd been crying over some sins of the past, but I had not the assurance in my heart that I was forgiven for. He said to me one morning, in my spirit, clearly knowing it was the word of God to me, clearly identifying the spirit of the living God. He said to me, wait upon the Lord. Those were his instructions. His instructions were not go to FM. His instructions were not do a solemn assembly. His instructions were, wait upon the Lord. He said, the Lord will carry you. A pause, and then he said, rest in me, Ray. So, I am waiting upon the Lord. 
the Lord is carrying me, and I am resting in the Lord, even though somewhat, sometimes impatiently, waiting for his word. And when that word comes, it will also be empowerment to do what he has commanded. And so I am waiting upon the Lord. Now he says, you must lament, that is, you must have a loud crying out before God, repenting of your behavior. Mourn and weep. Let your laughter be changed to mourning and your joy to heaviness. You must be humbled before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Well, most of my life it's been humbling. <laughs> Not been much exalting. <laughs> it's been humbling. I praise God for that. I praise God that I am held securely in his wonderful, loving mercy. And I seek his face. I'm not going to turn to the left or to the right until as I wait upon the Lord, he comes and speaks to me, even as he spoke to Elijah. Please understand, Elijah was a man of like passions with us, but he prayed and he drew close to the Lord. And God answered his cry. I want you to be able to hear the word of the Lord as he speaks to you. He speaks in a still, small voice. Later this week, we'll come to that. And I have much I want to share with you about the voice of the Lord and being certain what he's saying. But now there must come a time of following the direction I've shared with you in chapter 4 of the book of James, verses 7 through 10. Read it. Pray over it. Act upon it. You will not survive what is coming upon the earth if you cannot hear clearly the still small voice of God speaking to you as he comes to you and gives you direction. Leave here. Go there. Do this. Don't do that. Spend money here. Don't spend money there. Give this away. Don't give that away. As he speaks to you, as he says, this is the offering you're to make. Then you make that offering. You don't second guess God. And so I'm waiting upon him at his direction. He's the one who told me to wait. I wait for his direction, not circumstances. I don't go by circumstances. I don't go by open or shut doors. God can open any door and he can shut every door. I go by the voice of the living God, the Holy Spirit, who dwells in me. And if you're a Christian, he dwells in you. But if you overwhelm his still small voice 
with your personality and your activity and your own spirit, you will go far off course and you will be lost. You must hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you. Well, we're out of time for today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. You're welcome to write to me. I'd love to hear from you. Or I'd love to just get a text from you saying, this is what God is saying to me. Or, Pastor, please pray for me. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage, and there you'll find YouTube videos, podcasts, 